today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. fourth chapter of the book of Romans, dealing with the subject of justification by faith. Move down, if you will, to verse 17. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. That's where we're going to pick it up at tonight. Romans 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, let's take a look at that first phrase there in that verse. It says, as it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations. Now, this is referring to Abraham. And it goes all the way back to the 17th chapter of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 and 5. All of the Arab nations in the world came from Abraham through Ishmael. And we all know the story how Sarah was barren. She was not able to have any children And uh, Haven, if you will, go to Genesis chapter 16. We're going to pull up something there in just a moment. Sarah was barren. Abraham and Sarah tried for many years to have a child, and uh, she was just not able to have a child. And they concocted a scheme. During those days, it was a common practice that if a woman was not able to have children, that they would have what is known as a surrogate. And Sarah's plan was to take her handmaid, Hagar, young Egyptian girl, and give her to Abraham, and Abraham would have a child through her. It was the custom during that day that when such was done, uh, the child would be considered the son of the wife that was not able to have the child, and whatever the case, a surrogate. But anyway... That was acceptable in the eyes of men and a common practice, but God never commissioned such a thing. He didn't tell Abraham and Sarah to do that. That is something that Sarah came up with and Abraham hearkened unto her voice. And uh, Abraham went unto Hagar and she conceived. And when this conception took place, uh, I think the Scripture gives us evidence that Hagar began to flaunt that in front of Sarah, made Sarah very angry, and Sarah dealt harshly with Hagar 
Uh, Genesis chapter 16, verse 7, if you will, pull it up. And we'll pick it up there in Genesis 16, verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. Uh, like I said, Sarah dealt hardly with Hagar, and she ran away from home, ran out into the wilderness. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou? And whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. Now, this angel of the Lord here, this is what is considered to be a Christophany, a pre-Bethlehem experience where the Lord actually came down and revealed himself before he actually came into the world and was born of the Virgin Mary, a pre-Bethlehem, uh, I think what they call a Christophany. But at any rate, it was actually the Lord that spoke with uh, Hagar here. And the angel of the Lord, verse 9, said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Uh, verse 12 is very true. It describes the error of people perfectly. When you look back in history, you can see where the Arabs have had a hard time getting along with the rest of the world, and the rest of the world's had a hard time uh, getting along with them. They have a hard time getting along with themselves. Uh, the descendants of Ishmael, uh, like I said, all the Arabs uh, stemmed, came from Ishmael. And they dwell in the presence of their brethren dealing with Israel. Today, you've got little tiny Israel sitting there in the midst of a sea of Muslims uh, who have vowed their destruction time and time again and... They've not been able to do it. And by the help and grace of God, they won't be able to do it. He shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. Uh, go back, if you will, to Romans 4, verse 17. Romans four seventeen. As it is written, I made thee the father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God. Now this refers to Abraham believing God. Now his faith in God was more than just believing that there is a God. It points to something specific as it pertains to God, and it, it's talking about the promised seed. In Genesis 3 and verse 15, right after the fall in the Garden of Eden, God said, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. God was pointing to a redeemer 
who would come sometime down the road and redeem mankind from this sinful condition that he found himself in. And some 14 years after Ishmael was born, Abraham was almost a 100 years old, and the Lord appeared to him again in the 18th chapter of the book of Genesis. Uh, If you will, flip over there to that. Genesis chapter 18. We'll pick it up in verse 10. Genesis 18, verse 10. And the Lord said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And this son here is the promised seed. It wasn't Ishmael. But Abraham and Sarah, both at this time, they were a hundred years old, or Abraham was, Sarah was around ninety. Their bodies were good as dead. They were not able to have any children. But God quickeneth the dead. That's what Paul said in Romans 4, verse 17. He quickeneth the dead. He makes alive. Only God can make one come to life. And he touched them in their physical bodies. And I don't think a lot of people realize this. I think there's enough evidence in the Scripture Uh, to prove that when God touched Abraham and Sarah, he restored their youth. Abraham got up one morning, and he didn't have arthritis anymore. He won't bend over anymore. He looked in the mirror, and there stood a young 30-year-old looking back at him instead of a 100-year-old. Now you're saying, now, Brother James, how can you prove that in the Scripture? Well, in the 20th chapter of Genesis, King Abimelech saw Sarah. She looked so good to him. She was so beautiful. A 90-year-old woman was so beautiful to King Abimelech, he took her into his chambers and wanted to make her his wife. Now, here's a king who could have any woman in the world he wants, and he's picking a 90-year-old woman to be his wife. Is that natural? Something happened. Something happened. Abraham was beyond the age of having children. Years later, we read where Sarah died. He married a woman by the name of Keturah, had six sons through her. Where did that come from? He also had concubines and had other children through them, but he sent them away from his son Isaac. So God did something. He touched Abraham and Sarah and restored their youthfulness. And uh, he done it because Abraham believed God. 
with God all things are possible. Do you hear me? There's nothing impossible with God if we'll only believe. All right, Romans 4, 17. I want to look at something here. It's a little bit controversial. As it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. We've got a whole sector of Christianity today, the word of faith, people, that you can call things into existence. Whatever you want, God will give you your heart's desire. If you want a Cadillac, just start naming it and claiming it, and God's got to give it to you. If you want a new house, name it and claim it, and God's got to give it to you. That's not exactly what this scripture means. Only God can speak things into existence. You follow what I'm saying? We don't have that kind of creative power. These people who are claiming this stuff today, if that were true, if they can just call things into existence, why don't they go in the hospital and start calling out healing on the folks that are sick in the hospital and start emptying out the hospitals? It just ain't a, a whole lot to it, really. But now there is some truth to this. Um, Calleth those things which be not as though they were. If the Lord has spoken something to you personally, then by faith you can call it because the Lord has told you that you can have it. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, but if the Lord has not told you you can have it, there ain't no need in calling it. You might be calling something you don't need. You follow what I'm saying. Let me give you an example. It is not God's will for you to be in bondage by any kind of sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you. It is not God's will for you to be bound by nicotine, by drugs, by alcohol, or, or any other 101 different things that you can name. It is God's will for you to be free from that thing. And when you read that in God's word, you've got a right to lay claim on that. You can call that thing that be not as though it was. Through and by what Jesus did for me at Calvary's cross, I am delivered from that thing. I don't have to smoke those cigarettes. I don't have to... And, and, and keep calling that thing and keep believing God for it, and he'll deliver you from it. Follow what I'm saying. And that can be said of a lot of things in the, in the Word of God. But at any rate, verse 18, Romans 4, verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now, Abraham's situation was hopeless. Uh, there was no way in the natural that he could do anything other than just simply believe what God had said. And he anticipated that something good was about to happen, and which it did. Verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And being not weak in faith. I want you to look at that phrase for just a moment. 
The church of that day was relatively small. It consisted of Abraham, Sarah, and Lot. Out of all the people on the face of the earth at that time, and I'm sure there may be others, but they're only ones that we know of at that particular time that were saved. Sarah laughed at what God said. She laughed in doubt and unbelief. Lot, by this time, he had done pitched his tent toward Sodom. So he couldn't really get a lot of encouragement from Lot. So Abraham's encouragement, his faith, was not built by the church of that day. It didn't come from that particular avenue. It didn't come so much from the Word of God, because the Word of God was being given at that time. He had a little bit, uh, because God had given him a little bit. But as far as the book of Psalms, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the writings of Paul, none of that was available to him at that time. So there was none of that from which he could pull from and get encouragement from. There were no radio stations at that time. There was no Christian radio at that time for him to tune in and hear good gospel music and get an encouraging word from preachers and whatever the case. It didn't exist then. Abraham didn't have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit like you and I have today. Uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it was not available. Uh, the Holy Spirit was not available then for leading, guidance, direction, teaching, and so forth like we have today. My point is simply this. Paul said he was not weak in faith. There is no excuse for a Christian being weak in the faith, especially when you consider uh, there's a church on every corner. Follow what I'm saying? Uh, there's a preacher on, on every other radio station. There are preachers on television. We have the Word of God today that's available to be read. We have the power of the Holy Spirit that resides within our hearts and lives. There's no excuse today for anyone being weak in the faith. But look at Abraham. He had none of that. And Paul said he was not weak in faith. Verse 19 again, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. In other words, he didn't look at his circumstances. As a child of God, we can't look at circumstances. At least not look at that alone. We must look to the one who can work through any circumstance. The one who can work through any situation. If we look at our circumstances only, it'll cause us to stagger in the promises of God. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, what we're seeing here is the law of faith. And we looked at that the other week, Romans chapter 3 and verse 27. Um, if we believe, our faith will increase and will become stronger and stronger. However, on the other hand, if there's unbelief present, it only breeds more doubt and unbelief. And a lot of times we just wallow in it. 
We gripe, we grumble, we complain. Faith never complains. Abraham didn't look at his circumstances and he didn't try to figure things out. At the same time, he didn't exactly ignore his circumstances either. Um, He realized that he was not able to do anything about it. If anything was done, God was simply going to have to do it. In essence, he was giving glory to God, and that's something we have to do. Abraham saw his situation, realized it was more than he was able to do, but he also realized with God all things are possible. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer to that is no. Verse 21 And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. No matter how impossible the situation may seem to be in the natural, Abraham knew that God was able to do what he said he would do. And he did. Verse 22, And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Abraham's faith, like I said, was more than just believing that God existed. His faith was in what God said. God promised him a son, a promised seed, if you will. Like I said, it all goes back to Genesis 3 and verse 15, when God promised Adam and Eve a redeemer who would come into the world. His faith was in God's salvation plan. When you get right down to it, that's where our faith needs to be. God said, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, Genesis 12 and verse 3. But however, when Ishmael was born, the word was he'll be a wild man. His hand will be against every man's hand and so forth. That doesn't sound like much of a blessing, does it? But Abraham believed God for the promised seed, the Redeemer who was to come, even when he was a hundred years old and his body was dead, the Bible says, at that particular time. And it was imputed to him for righteousness. He believed God as it pertains to the promised seed. Verse 23 Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Abraham is set forth as our example. He was justified. He was given a pure, spotless, unsullied righteousness by God. The Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And our righteousness is as filthy rags. God gives us his righteousness. It's actually the righteousness of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he was born of the Virgin Mary. He did not have a sin nature. He lived a perfect life. He never broke the law of God, and uh, he never sinned one time. 
in word, thought, or deed. And the proof of that is in the resurrection. Because the wages of sin is death. And sin is what gives Satan a legal right to hold man in bondage, to hold man in captivity. Satan had no legal right to hold the Lord Jesus Christ in the grave because he had never sinned. And on the third day, Christ rose. If Jesus had so much had sinned one time during his life, then he would not have been raised from the dead. And that's why the resurrection is very important as it pertains to Christianity. But we are baptized into Christ, and we're going to look at that probably next year when we get to the sixth chapter. <laughs> <laughs> of the book of Romans. But we're baptized into Christ. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. When Jesus died on Calvary, he took our sins and he gave us his righteousness. But it's all through and by simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The program today has been a blessing to you. We hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.